Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of Guidance with Grace. I'm Grace, and I'm sitting here once again with the infamous Don Leventhal. Yes. <laughs> right, acknowledged. Um, so, again, so he's well-versed in the health and wellness sports field, uh, and today we're talking about how to make carbs work for you and really kind of the best in quotations, best time to eat carbs because that's kind of how they work is based off of like your activity level and things like that. And we're definitely going to dive into that. But they're often seen as like so negative. Yeah, they are. Unfortunately, they are. But they're so beneficial. Very beneficial. If you get the right carbs, they're very beneficial for you. Not fried chicken and pasta. Yeah, that's the problem is especially the the breads and the pastas that are... um, highly refined those are bad carbohydrates and um, so yeah that's where the negativity comes but if you're eating vegetables and uh, fruits and um, legumes and things like that you're getting getting good carbohydrates the other thing is we talked about this last week a mixture mm-hmm. uh, in your diet so you you combine the carbs with a protein source and a good fat and they work like they're supposed to work um, carbohydrates especially the complex carbohydrates are loaded with nutrients and you know we mm-hmm. we talked about muscle building last week if you want to build muscle yes you need the protein but you also need some carbohydrate um, the other benefit of a carbohydrate is muscle needs to absorb water to be healthy carbohydrates help you do that so um, but yeah they're not negative they're not the bad guys no not at all and often they're associated with glycemic index and really what that means is we were just not talking about um, like blood sugar spikes Mm -hmm. and that's usually what it's related to you know small intestine versus large intestine if it goes to the small intestine it's often absorbed very quickly into your bloodstream which causes that blood sugar spike the insulin Mm -hmm. is you know let out and then you end up with weight problems over time and stuff that's probably one of the biggest issues in the American diet is we, we're trained to eat three big meals a day. Mm-hmm. Some of us only eat two. Um, so you get up and you have uh, a lot of people get up and because of their carbohydrate intake being a poor source, they're starving. Now it's okay to be starving when you get up, by the way. I'm not saying that that's wrong. But mm-hmm. people go to um, uh, breakfast cereals, Pop-Tarts, that type of thing, and it spikes your insulin. So the insulin spikes, which means... Uh, that's a response to a spiked blood sugar. So these foods I just mentioned, these breakfast cereals and Pop-Tarts and that type of bagels, thing. Bagels. Bagels. Oh even orange juice for that matter. Yeah. Uh, we, we look at that as a health food. It's not a bad source, but if you eat three things in the morning, they're all high glycemic index. You have a spike in your glucose. The pancreas senses that, produces a lot of insulin. You have a spike in your insulin. And now your body becomes a fat-storing machine. Instead of storing the glucose as glycogen as it should, you, you've just got too much. The, the other side effect is now you're tired um, because the blood sugar that w- was circulating through your bloodstream has been pulled out of the bloodstream. And our response to low blood sugar is we get sleepy, sometimes we get cranky, mm-hmm. and you get hungry again. And so then you, know, you have these big ups and downs during the day. You lose energy. That's a bad combination. Storing fat, loss of energy, don't feel like working out, 
And that's a vicious cycle that has led to a lot of the health problems in America. Oh, yeah. Well, and if you think about like how vegetables are broken down, it takes more time. Yeah. And your body can use them better. It causes less of a blood sugar spike because it's taking the time to digest and, and really use those carbohydrates. Um, as well as being paired with like fiber and mm -hmm. things like that, which again have, I think we all know the benefits of fiber. That should be another episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, because we don't have it in our diet and it leads to so many problems. Um, our gut really does control our body, I think, more than the brain than people realize. Yeah. And when you're eating <clears throat> either massive amounts of anything, and particularly carbs, I think we face that as a nation more than other things. Carbs are maybe even fat sometimes, but on the realm of carbs, making them work for you. And I'd like to shift into that because that is, I think, a good takeaway mm -hmm. to make it more of a positive thing because carbs are needed, especially if you're a very active individual. Yeah. Like crossfitters, anything high intensity, you're going to need to replenish those carbs after a workout. What would yeah. you suggest for people who have that high intensity workout? So we just got done talking about um, high glycemic, low glycemic. Low glycemic basically is the vegetable, the, the, the high fiber food that slowly reaches your bloodstream and you have even insulin elevations and reductions. You don't feel as tired, you don't store as much fat. However, if you've just come off a really tough workout, whether it's CrossFit, um, high intensity interval training, bodybuilding, powerlifting, or any th variation of those, you've burned a lot of glucose and muscle glycogen. Muscle glycogen is just a storage form of glucose. Uh, and you need to replace that. Um, and so now we talk about combining a perhaps a high glycemic uh, carbohydrate like um, if you want to blend up fruit in a smoothie mm -hmm. with a protein, and the reason why we do this is now we want that insulin spike mm -hmm. because we want to replenish the carbohydrates lost during the uh, exercise routine, but we also want to create a little bit of a hormonal response so in that situation. People forget insulin is not only... Um, Part of the metabolic response, it is also an anabolic hormone. Yes, and, hormone, definitely. Yeah. And so it helps with a positive response for muscle building, protein synthesis, as well as replenishing fuel in the muscle. Yes. And on the flip side, you can also consider beforehand. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if any of you have heard, I'm sure there's some listeners that have heard of carb loading. Mm-hmm. And that can be beneficial to somebody who is like a long distance runner, marathoners, something like that. And could you speak on a little bit what, like what is carb loading in a very simplified way? Like what are the benefits and how is it used? Carb loading works best for long distance events. So you don't have to carb load if you're in a gym doing a workout. You might have a super intense workout. It might take an hour, hour and a half. That is still, the, the gym, Intermittent set workouts don't require carb loading. Um, right. Now, if you're going to go run a marathon, a triathlon, an ultra marathon, long distance bike ride, now you, you talk carb loading. One of the problems that endurance athletes often have is we can only store so much carbohydrate in our liver, in our muscle cells, and that is where we store. We store glycogen in the liver and the muscle cells. So if, if you're out competing in a marathon or a triathlon, and your body starts to run low on the storage form 
muscle glycogen in particular. Um, the first response is glucagon is released, which tells the liver to release its storage mm -hmm. of uh, glycogen. You start to run low on that, and the body begins to shut down a little bit because the brain, the central nervous system, can only function on glycogen, glucose. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it can fun function on ketones as well, but it's not as efficient there. So mm -hmm. um, it, the brain will literally start to shut si uh, systems down. And um, you see runners coming across the line in marathons and they can't get their legs to work and they look like they're almost having a seizure in a way, the way they're convulsing. That is literally uh, muscle glycogen stores depleted. Mm -hmm. And so carb loading. Um, Almost forgot what we were talking about there. Right. Um, so intense. <laughs> so intense. You, you should see my hand gestures right now. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. In person. That's yeah. the greatest experience. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, carb loading is. So if you're going to be, uh, if you're going to run a marathon, an ultra marathon, triathlon, what is suggested is that prior to the event, the week that you taper your training, this, this is when you start to carb load. So you. A few days you cut way back on carbs and the reason why you do this is because you want ultra storage mm -hmm. so if I cut back on carbs and then I suddenly start to consume carbs my body has a reaction hey I'm low on carbs I need to absorb as much as possible and so if you can normally store 2,500 calories of and I'm just that's just a random number I pick if you can normally store 2,500 calories of glycogen the carb loading might get you up to 3,000 or 3,200 or something like that so you have the extra glycogen mm -hmm. to get you through those events Right, and it's definitely something to consider, especially if you have maybe had some kind of experience like not being able to move mm -hmm. toward the end of a really long race or if it is like a true marathon. Uh, that can be something that you might want to look more into. Of course, you know, experiment with it maybe before like the, <laughs> the big game day. Yeah. <laughs> like when you're you know, make or break your time and you, it's like a qualifying thing, like, you know, try it out and look more into it, do your research. Everybody's body is different. Yes. And I think that it's important to listen to your body, which we'll talk about um, on down the road. We have a whole episode on listening to your body. Um, but it is, it's super important to find out what works for you. But understanding the basics is a great place to start. Absolutely. And one of the things I can speak from experience on, I ran one marathon, and just one, um, For real? Yeah, I ran the 2000 Columbus Marathon. Yeah, that's awesome. Great experience. It was it was difficult, but I, I love doing it. Um, but uh, one of the things I learned is in the training process, and you had mentioned uh, practice basically, practice carb loading, practice diets. You never want to change your diet completely the week of the event. Oh no no no! Because it can have catastrophic results. And picture trying to run 26 miles with intestinal disorders so uh, yeah that doesn't sound comfortable and it wouldn't be and fortunately I was able to experiment and figure out okay what foods sit best with me and if I do carb load how do I do this right and um, and I learned from talking to other people who ran a lot and I read a lot about it but but yeah so it's, it's definitely something you want to work with and in the training you have long runs in your training you can experiment with how to hydrate what food source you need to take in while you're running because you will mm -hmm. need that. I found out that That's the gels were disgusting for me. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to ask if you ever tried the gels. Oh, gosh. Those yeah. Because are... those are like meant to be like quick things you can eat while you're running. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did you do for your carb load foods? Carb like, load foods. This is funny. Some people but... are like spaghetti and meatballs, garlic bread. Yeah. I, I couldn't do pasta. I've never been a pasta person. Mm -hmm. 
I would go to, and this is funny, but I go to Bob Evans, and you got to understand, you're burning off a, a ton of calories. So I go yeah. to Bob Evans, I get their wildfire chicken salad <laughs> and a couple orders of pancakes, and that's what I would eat yeah. like before a long run. And so the next day, I felt great, I was loaded, and uh, I had a lot of hydration and, and glycogen stores, and I never had any problems with that. Some people are like, I'd have, I'd have been sick to hold it. That didn't make me sick. Yeah, pasta would have made me sick. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely important to experiment. We should bring, we should have brought Dustin in because yeah. Dustin Ekevane, he's um, done a couple marathons, right? Two. He's done some big ones. Yeah. Um, he ran a sub three hour Boston marathon. Yeah, the Boston marathon, and that's a killer. He's an incredible runner. Yeah, very good runner. But um, it'd be interesting to see what his perspective is on it and um just how he's approached the whole carb loading factor because i think he has in some capacity done some something similar to it but Mm -hmm. but yeah it can be beneficial as long as you look up and and do your own research uh the last thing i want to leave you all with is if you're not a hugely active person chances are you don't really need to do any type of carb loading Um, And you certainly don't need to worry about taking in enough carbs. Probably your regular diet would be just fine. Mm. And carbs definitely become way more beneficial as you use them. And and if you're not really using them, you don't need to have, like, extra. Exactly. Because extra is stored as fat. And that is where they become negative. Because our diets incorporate a lot of extra and excess carbs and that is not beneficial to us, and like you said, we store it. Mm-hmm. So making sure that an average person who just kind of workouts casually, like myself, I don't do a ton of high-intensity exercises or, or workouts. It's here and there. and But normally, you know, if I stick to the vegetables, those sources, and occasionally eat those breads and pastas, but, you know, limit it. And, mm-hmm. you know, don't completely deprive yourself of something because that's not good either. But just making sure that you have those things in moderation. Absolutely. And if you're not in need of extreme weight loss, I'm a big fan of a cheat, cheat meal. Yeah. Or maybe even two mm-hmm. if you're really eating healthy, especially if you practice the intermittent fasting, um, which we probably talk about some other time. That's yeah. a whole new topic. Yeah. But we got another episode got on another that. Another episode on that. But... <laughs> But yeah, you don't ever want to deprive yourself because as human beings, we have a this habit of we deprive and we are good for a while, then we snap. Mm-hmm. Something happens, and next thing you know, you're sitting in a pile of empty M&M bags and ice cream cards. That sounds really good, actually, right now. Yeah. <laughs> nice early morning oh, startup. Talk, M&Ms. Talk about M&Ms. an insulin spike. I'd be in a right. coma. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I would like to officially dedicate this episode to Don's shiny head. It's not quite as shiny today because I haven't shaved it. I'm going to shave it tomorrow. Um, Maybe it's the light. It's it could be the light. Reflecting yeah. A bit. yeah. Yeah. I think I'm still sweating from this morning's workout, which occurred many hours ago, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. Probably need to go refuel on your carbs. <laughs> I do. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We will in a couple weeks talk about um, carb cycling and kind of branch off. It's kind of almost a part two to this episode, but just kind of, again, things to consider as you're an active individual and what carb cycling is. That's definitely more extensive than what we talked about today. So it'll be good to dedicate a whole episode for that. Yes. All right. Well, 
With that being said, find us. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Apple Music Play, and Spotify right now. So we're definitely excited. And the OG, as Don called it, Don Hawkinsmith. <laughs> I almost Hawken, said her old last name. Hawkinskittle, as we call it. Skittle. <laughs> um, the OG, we're always on SoundCloud. So you can definitely listen to us there. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I'm Grace. I'm Don. And we'll see you guys in a couple weeks.